As we begin the service, I would like to start by playing a word association game with you. So I'm going to give you a word, and then I'm going to ask you to shout out a word that you think is associated with that or makes you think of that word. So that makes sense? Everybody kind of get that? Okay, so here we go. Here's my word. It's not really a word. It's a number that represents a year. Okay, so when I say the year 2020, what do you say? Blessings? Blessings. Rest? Rest? What was that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Hope, there you go. It was the mask, Tom. Brady, it was the mask that threw me off there. Okay, who else? Mayhem. Grateful. Grateful. I love all the Jesus-y answers that you guys are giving because you're in church. Um, You know, at my house, I don't always give Jesus-y answers. So one of the words that comes to my mind when I think of 2020 is unexpected. Like nobody expected 2020 to be the year that it has been. It has been one crazy year. So I'll take you back. Remember back in February, we heard about this thing called COVID-19. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be gone in a couple of weeks. It wasn't. So we're still dealing with that now. And it looks like it's going to impact our next year and who knows how long beyond that. And then we got into some ethnic tension, some political tension, some economic struggles. Like this year has been something that none of us have expected. And last week, Tim taught us that the first Christmas was a whole lot like this year. It was very unexpected. Nobody thought that Jesus would be born when and where he was born. The Romans didn't think it. The Jews didn't think it. And remember, Tim taught us that this was part of a 400 years of silence from God. So God was silent. And nobody was thinking that Jesus is going to be born, that God's going to break his silence through Christ's birth. So nobody expected Jesus to be born when he was born. I think Tim's bottom line statement from last week was so powerful. So if you missed that statement, here's what it is. He said, never mistake God's silence for God's absence. Never mistake God's silence for God's absence. So just because God's silent in a moment, that doesn't mean he's absent. That doesn't mean he's not working in your life. And we see that in a really big way in the Christmas story. Now, today we're gonna learn from a couple who couldn't have children. So just like last week, Tim started us off, we learned from Abram and Sarai who couldn't have children. And today we're gonna learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it was actually the physician, Luke, that recorded their story for us in Luke chapter one. So listen to what it says about them. Verse five says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, specifically Elizabeth, was related to somebody really famous. Anybody know who she was related to? Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So they were close blood relatives, and something unexpected was about to happen to both of them, even though Mary was very young. She was about 13 or 14 years of age, probably at that time. And Elizabeth was at the end of her life, but they were both about to experience the exact same unexpected thing. We'll read verse seven, then we'll go back to verse six. 
Verse seven says, they, meaning Zechariah and Elizabeth, had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Now, if you know somebody today who has not been able to have children, you understand how devastating that can be in their lives and and in our world today. But if you could understand how big of a deal it was back in that culture, in that part of the world, it it was such a big deal, specifically for for women. It was a big deal for men as well. But for women, uh, what women often brought to their family, to their society, to their culture was the ability to bear children. And if a woman couldn't bear children, they were often viewed as disgraced and set off to the backside of the culture. And it was often thought that they had done something wrong and God was punishing them for that. Can you imagine carrying the stigma of that and the weight of that in your life if if you had obeyed God and yet people thought that maybe you had done something wrong just because you couldn't have kids? That's where Elizabeth was. And for Zechariah and for men in that culture, it was a big deal to have children, specifically to have a son who would carry on your name, carry on your reputation. Again, if you didn't have that, your legacy would end when you die. And then you would live with the stigma of people walking around whispering to each other, I wonder what they did wrong. I wonder why God is punishing them. And... Zechariah is a priest. So imagine, again, the stigma that they both carried as they were not able to have children. So it was a big deal for them in their day. But listen to verse 6. So verse 6 says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So even though people could have walked around thinking that they had done something wrong, that God was punishing them, that wasn't true. They were righteous in God's eyes. And remember, the time frame that they were living in was a part of this 400 years of silence from God. So in this silence from God, when when God hasn't blessed them and their family with the ability to have children and carry on that legacy, they are still faithful to God. Now, here's where some of us struggle with how they responded. You know, for, for many of us, we view a relationship with God like a relationship with a vending machine. So, so follow me in my, my thoughts with this for just a second. So sometimes we think, you know what, I'm going to put my money in. I'm going to push all the right buttons. That means I'm going to serve. I'm going to go to church. I'll give my time, my talents, my treasures. I'll help little old ladies across the street. I'll do all these good Christian things. And then that means God owes me. God owes me a date, God owes me a marriage, God owes me a great marriage, God owes me kids, God owes me to fix my kids, God owes me a nice job, God owes me uh, money, uh, you know, a great retirement, a great bank account, healing, whatever we think we deserve, we think God should give us. And if God doesn't give us that, we get upset sometimes. There are moments we take it out on the vending machine. We think God's vending machine is broken. We want to beat that vending machine up. We want to try to find a way to get what we want from that vending machine, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to give us what we want. Sometimes we're tempted to go to another vending machine if it will give us what we want. When I was in 
middle school, there was a vending machine that was in our neighborhood that my friends and I would often visit to get soft drinks. And uh, we would take our quarters. I, I, you know, I don't remember how much it cost back then uh, to, to get a soda, uh, but we would put our, our money in, we would push the button. And there were times that this vending machine would not cooperate. Uh, you would hear it coming down, the soda coming down, and it would get stuck somewhere. And uh, so we, being middle schoolers, would like to uh, harm that vending machine to, to get what we put our money in for. And so we would shake that thing around as best we could. And uh, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. But one time, uh, one of my friends uh, realized, you know what, maybe I could stick my arm up inside where the, you know, it comes out and I could actually reach the, the soft drink and pull it out. And so he stuck his arm way up in there and he got a corner of it and pulled it out. And we were excited, you know, hey, we got a brilliant new idea for getting our soft drinks. We don't have to pay money anymore. We can just slide our arms up in there and take them out. And uh, so we did that on many occasions. And so how do you like that for a Christmas confession from your pastor? You find out that your pastor was a thief in middle school. And and my mom is watching this morning. So mom, I'm sorry to announce this publicly. We'll talk privately at Christmas time. Sometimes that's what we do with God. God doesn't give us what we want. We get angry. We beat on the machine. We, We beat against God. We want to find a way around God, so that we can get what we think we deserve. Sometimes we're tempted to to turn away from him, turn to another vending machine, but Zechariah and Elizabeth did not do that. Verse eight tells us, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary for the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Now, do you think you'd be like overwhelmed and shaken and afraid if you're praying for whatever you're praying for and an angel appears to give you a message? And sometimes we think, man, that would be so great. But every time an angel reveals himself in scripture, the first thing he has to say is, don't be afraid. Why? Because people were afraid. They're petrified to stand in the presence of a real angel. And this angel says to Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. Now, we don't know how long Zechariah has prayed for a child. Most likely, It's been all of his married life. So we're not sure how long that was, but it's been for a long time. And this angel comes along and says, God has heard your prayer. Now, I'm not an angel, but I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how long you've prayed for whatever you've prayed for, but God has heard your prayers. He hears each and every prayer that you pray. He knows what's uh, big on your heart. He knows what's crushing your spirit. He knows what you're desperate for. He knows what you desperately need to happen in your life. And he hears each and every prayer that you pray. Now, he may not 
show up and deliver what we expect in whatever moment that we expect it to be, li- to be delivered, but God has heard your prayers and we can know with confidence that God will do what's best for us. God's not off in some distant galaxy too busy with something to hear you, to hear your prayers. He hears each and every prayer and we can never mistake God's silence for God's absence. So again, if God's silent in a moment, that doesn't mean he's not working. He's still working in your life, in your situation, even if you don't see it, even if you feel like you don't hear him in that specific moment. The angel continued in verse 13 and said, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you're to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah And, and that's a reference to an Old Testament prophet that he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Like what a powerful statement. Can you imagine if you were having a child and an angel appeared to tell you that was kind of the legacy of your child? That's a big statement. But Zechariah responded to that angel the way many of us would respond to an angel appearing to us. And Zechariah says, like, how can I be sure this is going to happen? I'm an old man. And then he's really kind to his wife. And he says, well, not that she's old. She's just well along in years. So we're old. Like, how in the world is this ever going to happen? It's beyond what is natural. In verse 19, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I'm Gabriel. There are three names of angels that we know in scripture. Gabriel is one of them. There are three archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. This is Gabriel, the messenger of God. And he says, I am Gabriel. I, am, I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So Zechariah couldn't speak for nine months until John was born. Verse 57 says, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed, there was no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. So he motioned for his iPad, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. All fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then listen to what Zechariah said after nine months or plus of not being able to speak. So these are his words. 
It says in verse 68, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. And if you read that whole chapter, you find out Zechariah is not talking about John right here. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the little baby that Mary was carrying at that time. So he's making this prophecy, this proclamation about Jesus and thanking God for him. In verse 71, he says, now we'll be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We learned about that last week. We learned about that in our end time series. This was the Abrahamic covenant that God promised to bless the entire world through Abraham and his descendants. And he did that through the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 74, he says, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And then he turned and he looked at his little baby boy, John. He said, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to, give, to guide us to the path of peace. Verse 80 says, John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Now, somehow, in all that silence, Zechariah learned a very powerful lesson. This is the lesson that he learned. He learned that unexpected things can lead us to the most important things. Unexpected things can lead us to the most important things. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they did not expect to have a child in their old age. And when they did, when they were blessed with that child, uh, they, they knew that that child had a bigger purpose. That, that purpose wasn't just to be their son, to carry on their legacy, to carry on their family name, that he had a much bigger purpose. We'll get back to that in a minute. But this same lesson applies to us as well. Unexpected things can lead us to the most important things. And again, as we look back at this past year, this past year has been unexpected. It's been filled with many unexpected things. Health scares, shutdowns, economic fears, political fighting. Brian and Karen certainly didn't expect at the beginning of this year that they would have to be having a surgery for him by the end of the year for his heart. I mean, there have been many unexpected things that have happened this year. And I wonder in your life, what are those things? What are those unexpected things that have taken you completely by surprise? And as those things have happened this year, have you found yourself stepping closer to Jesus because of those unexpected things and your desperate need for him? Or have you found yourself stepping farther away from him because of those unexpected things in the vending machine of God has not been working the way that you want it to work. I'll be honest with you, in my life, this past year has been a real tug of war in my relationship with God. There have been moments, 
I have found myself stepping closer to Jesus in desperation for, for him to work and show me what he wants me to do in the midst of all this chaos and all the unexpected things that we've experienced together. Then there have been other moments where I've been frustrated. I've been upset. I've been depressed or discouraged that God hasn't been working as quick as I want him to work. So there have been moments that I've struggled in that, that regular tug of war in my relationship with God. But how about you? How have you been doing? Unexpected things can and should lead us to the most important thing, and that is Jesus. The second thing that we need to zero in on for this morning is the purpose that John had in his life. If you continue to read uh, the book of Luke, the first few chapters there, you find out that John grew up and like fulfilled the prophecy that was spoken over him by the angel and his father. And he lived his life with passion and purpose for leading people to Jesus. He did everything in his, his world to lead people to Jesus. He knew his, his purpose. It was crystal clear to him. And so he led as many people as possible, had a huge influence on the Jewish world at that time because he led people to Jesus. And if you're a Christ follower, you and I have the same purpose that John has. Like we have the exact same purpose that John has, that we should lead people to Jesus with everything that we face in life, with how we work, how we live, how we treat people, how we respond when unexpected things come along. So when something unexpected comes along, people who don't know Jesus should look at us and watch us stepping towards Jesus in the midst of that. We should have the same purpose that, that John had. And in our end time series that we just finished a few weeks ago, we talked about how incredibly important it is for us to lead people to Jesus in these times because we believe Jesus is coming back soon. And if our friends, if our family, if our coworkers, if our neighbors don't put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior before Jesus comes back, they could spend eternity in a real place called hell, or they could, they could experience the tribulation period like we talked about in our end time series, a period where it's going to be very, very difficult for people to put their faith in Jesus. So we should live with passion and purpose, with urgency, like John lived with, to tell people about Jesus and to lead them to him. So we're called to be faithful like Zechariah and Elizabeth, no matter what is or isn't happening in our lives. We're called to be faithful. We're called to introduce people to Jesus with everything we do. And we're called to help people see how unexpected things can lead them to the most important things. If you're a Christ follower, how are you honestly doing at those things? this year. In just a moment, our worship team is going to come and they're going to close us with a familiar Christmas song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And as they're singing, I, I want us to evaluate our relationship with God for a moment. So again, if you're a Christ follower, evaluate how faithful have you been this past year to God? Have you allowed the chaos and the unexpected things to push you towards him or away from him? And if you are farther from him right now than you'd like to be, admit that during this song. Have a conversation with him. Tell him that. Say, God, like, like I've allowed these unexpected things to push me away from you instead of towards you. Forgive me for that. Receive God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and recommit 
to being like Zechariah and Elizabeth, being faithful and serving God again, no matter what God does or doesn't do in your life. Then the second thing I encourage you to do while we're singing is I encourage you to commit to being like John. Commit to helping somebody around you meet Jesus or to telling them about Jesus. Lead somebody around you to Jesus this Christmas season. This is a perfect time to do that. There are people all around us that are hopeless, that are lost. They don't know where to turn in all this chaos. And you and I can, can introduce them to the one who sits above the chaos and can guide all of us through it, and that's Jesus. But we gotta open our mouths. We gotta let our faith be visible. We gotta have conversations with people. We gotta look for opportunities to insert Jesus in those conversations and invite people to meet him. There are many ways that we can do that with people around us, and there is one simple way that we can do that, and that's by inviting people to a Christmas service. So next Sunday, we've got our two Christmas services. We've got invitation cards here. I encourage you to take at the back of each seating section, take a few, take a handful, take a stack, take them all and hand them out uh, as you're going through your life uh, this this next week. So take them to work, hand them out at work, invite your neighbors. Um, If you're going to lunch today and you leave one of these at the, the table for your server, make sure you leave a very generous tip, okay? Be a big tipper. If you're not a big tipper, don't leave one of these, okay? Remember, and I say that in jest, but remember, you represent Jesus to the world. What do you want people to think about Jesus? That he's a big, generous God. So find ways for them to experience that and invite them to come to our Christmas service next week. Next week, we're going to celebrate communion together. And I'm going to guide people in how unexpected things can lead us to the most important gift our world has ever been given. And that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. So if you would, uh, let's stand together. I encourage you to talk to God uh, during this next song about whatever is appropriate to you. And uh, then we'll sing. So God, thank you for just this incredible opportunity, Lord, that we have to learn from people in scripture who were real people lived several thousand years ago. Or people who experienced the unexpected things like we have experienced this past year. Lord, we're grateful for people like Zechariah and Elizabeth and their story, that they were faithful to you even in the midst of silence, even in the midst of not hearing from you, they were still faithful and you heard their prayers. So Lord, there's a great challenge for us to be faithful in our lives and our relationship with you, regardless of what is or isn't happening. And Lord, we should never mistake your silence for your absence. Just because you're, you're silent, Lord, that that doesn't mean that you're absent, that you're often still working in our lives behind the scenes and you're about to do something powerful in us and through us. Lord, may we see unexpected things the way that Zechariah and Elizabeth did. May we be ready for those unexpected things to lead us to the most important things. And Lord, may we be like John who lived his entire life with passion and purpose for leading people to Jesus. Well, that's the greatest gift we could ever give anyone. Lord, we're thinking about Christmas time and what gifts to give people that we know and love. 
We need to give them the gift of Jesus. So Lord, there's many opportunities for us to do that. And I pray that we would have our eyes open this week for those opportunities and we would take them, that we wouldn't be silent, but we'd be like Zechariah and we would open our mouths and proclaim the goodness of God and the gift of Jesus. Lord, thanks for your faithfulness to us. May we be in return faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.